Hello everyone and welcome to Show Hoppers. Today we are covering Watchmen Episode 1. It's summer and we're running out of ice. I am Mr. Sal, high school science teacher, re-watching Watchmen. This, I, I really do love this series, so I'm excited to be visiting it again. Uh, excited to be back with Damon Lindelof. And I'm excited to be covering this series with my co-host and former student, Kurt. Hello, Kurt. What else has Lindelof done? Like, have we done all of his series? I think we've done all of his series. He's ever we've done all of series. He's done some movies, but he, you know, he's his first series was was lost. So we were we have one season left to go. Of that his next series was The Leftovers, my favorite series, which we covered that in its entirety. And now here we are with Watchmen. I didn't really know that was actually all of his TV series. I was kind of saying that in jest, but I guess it really is. <laughs> yeah, I think so. so uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Uh, at any rate, okay. Uh, uh, he may have had like some writing credits on some other series. Oh yeah, but he's, but he's only co-creator or creator on these three. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, you know there will be no mob justice today. Trust in the show hoppers. We're going to take you through this. Here we go. All right, Kurt. I let's uh, let's start. Uh, by guessing how we felt about this episode. Rating. Kurt, I'm going to be somewhat bold. 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 I have to guess your rating on a scale from 1 to 10. Are you going to be bold episode. and brave, Mr. Sam? I think so. I think I'll be bold and brave. I think that I know how much you love the book and you really were into the book. Uh, there are so many Easter eggs in this episode for book readers. Like it is a feast of Easter eggs. So uh, I, I think you loved that. Uh, but in addition to that, I think you loved just, I, I think this might be your favorite pilot ever, or it's possible that it confused the hell out of you and you just are not even into it at all. But I'm going to, I'm going to take the high road and say that, that you loved it. And this might be the first pilot ever that you give a 10 to. I'm going to say you gave it a 10. Okay. Hmm. Out of 10. Out of 10. Yeah. yeah. I'm, trying, yes. I'm trying to think how you felt about the episode. I mean, if you're guessing that I gave it a 10 out of 10, and I know this is a critically acclaimed miniseries and you again i I get the biased advantage that you picked to cover the series i think you gave this a 10 out of 10 this pilot episode okay Uh, speaking of critically acclaimed before i answer that uh this won the emmy for best anthology or limited series in for 2019 so so this is very critically acclaimed. It won like, what did I say, 11 Emmys, something like that? A lot of Emmys. I would love to check, yeah. but that includes looking at the uh, IMDb, which you yeah, Well, you could look from. at the spreadsheet that I made that I don't have open, but you could open it oh, if you okay. want because it's right on the first page of that. But it, it's, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was 11 Emmys. I mean, it, it's, it is definitely critically acclaimed. Um, I will tell you this much. I enjoyed this probably double as much as I did the first time I watched it. Uh, and so, yes, I, I did give this a 10. I did not originally give it a 10, though. I originally had given it a 9. But watching it, I was, like, giddy watching this episode. I, I, in fact, at one point, my wife kind of popped her head in and I said, oh, my God, 
this is so amazing. Like you can't believe how good this series is. So, <laughs> so uh, no, but a lot of that's biased because I already know the entirety of the series. Uh, and so th- there's a lot in this first episode that is, it, it's going to be hearkened back to as we progress through. So, uh, so that was pretty cool. All right. What did you give it? I gave it a high nine. I did okay. not give it a 10. Did not okay. give it a 10. But okay. I did I did enjoy it immensely. Yeah. I'm obviously sat with some questions. Of course. Yeah. I, I don't I don't really know something. <laughs> yeah. But I, again, it's award winning, so I kind of have some faith in the series. Mm-hmm. I love the universe. I did love the book. Yeah. So that you know, it's got me there. I did like the tidbits that I did catch. Yeah. And what I like about Watchmen, uh, this does too, is that it gives you information or it sprinkles information that if you're attentive and you look at it, you'll learn it. Mm -hmm. Basically it gives you a lot of credit. So for example, for example, the president Rutherford stuff, right? Redford, sorry. Redford, right. It's very like sprinkled in there. The the, the most they talk about it in the episode itself is probably that radio scene. Like, or, or when the radio announcer is talking about that president, yes, right? Yes. He's been there for 30 years or the kids talk about the chronological order of the president. The yep. classroom has him listed as an important president in the background. <laughs> yep. I did notice that. <laughs> you good. Like, the reading material talks a bit more about, you know, so, some of the political happenings of it. And that's really cool to me. Like, it's like a really, it's, and stuff like that is why I really like Watchmen. So I gave I that know. a nine. I did not give it a 10 just because you know, I, I don't know everything of what's going on per se, <laughs> right? There's questions. Yeah. So I, I could see myself giving it a 10 if I did rewatch it and did know more and like yeah. had some more context. For example, the, the baby squids, like my, <laughs> I have guesses behind it. I don't uh-huh. know the right, you know, the direct answer, but yeah. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there's a lot that's, that's confusing. I, I have to imagine for, well, first of all, I have to imagine that you, are glad you read the book because you picked up on so much more because you read the book. Oh, it makes you very like, obviously, Vite stuff. I think in the episode they only mention the um that newspaper and of the the, the yeah. You see, they, they didn't they didn't mention it that you see the newspaper. Yeah, you see the newspaper that says Vite declared dead, and they have like the American hero story, right? Yes, the hood or not hoodwinked, a hooded justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's. There's so, I mean, there's, there's one Easter egg after another. It's amazing. So, you know, we'll talk, I'll talk about a lot of them. I'm sure I didn't catch all of them, but we'll talk about a lot of them, but it does make it so much richer having read the book. But even if you didn't, I do think there's, there's a way to enjoy the series, even if you didn't read the book and a lot of it, uh, they do kind of serve up to you in the PDpedia, which we'll talk about later Uh, that, that, that much of that, first set of files and the pdpedia is really i think designed to catch people up who haven't read the book so there's some other stuff too but it it, it is a lot of service to kind of fill in gaps for those people but at any rate yeah i i really as i watched this i was like my god kurt is gonna love this kurt is gonna love this i am i right in saying i that i think this is probably your favorite pilot probably is it probably is the only reason that i did not give it a 10 was unlike other pilots i'm not normally confused in a lot of other pilots right normally uh-huh. everything's kind of just yeah handed right to you yep and you know my biggest confusion is that all these new characters and that maybe i don't mm-hmm. know them that well and that's mm-hmm. also the case here i don't know all the characters that well 
Yeah. But there, I mean, there's also another layer of confusion. So that, you know, there, there's an uncomfort in that. So that, that that's why I didn't give it the 10. Yep. But yeah, besides that, I, yeah, I, I love the universe. It's, it's interesting. We'll probably yeah. talk about it more. But I mean, this whole thing with the police, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm uh-huh. like in that Rorschach. It <laughs> <laughs> was not just a forgotten person. He, he seems to be, if anything, one of the most important of the, you know, from our original set of the Watchmen. Yep. So. Yeah, no, yeah. I I, th- I find it amazing that they can jump forward like almost thirty five years, or more than thirty five, well, no, almost thirty five years, mm-hmm. uh, and it still feels like Watchmen. I I feel I think it feels like Watchmen. I don't know if it does, because it, it, it goes from reading literature to watching the mm-hmm. tv show i've never seen the movie i don't know have you seen the movie i have a long time ago i saw it in the theaters but i wasn't crazy about it but i had never read the source material at the time so, I so, well, yeah, so like, all the characters are just kind of in my head yeah. you know the, the the universe isn't i don't know it's like there's always a difference to me personally whenever i read mm-hmm. a book or read something versus watching on the screen it's not a bad thing but it, mm-hmm. it i mean there's an air of difference because i don't feel the the superhero or I shouldn't say superhero, but the the vigilante vibe I had before, although I feel like it's more cop oriented. But the well, cops well, the, the, more the like cop, the cops are uh, acting. Yeah, they're they're, they're they are yeah. the masked adventurers now. So uh, that's that that was a really cool shift for me, you know, because in in the book, it, the the cops are very anti masked heroes, right? Uh, in fact, there's a there's a police strike because of that yes. uh, but now Act. now yes and then the keen Act. now there are <laughs> there are cops acting as masked as masked adventurers so speaking of the keen Act, mm-hmm. senator keen yeah that was another cool one that was pretty cool senator keen senator senator keen did you did you hear that at all on the radio episode? at the end yeah yeah, it's his son. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, I it's, imagine it is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, they said Joe Junior. So, so that's that's a. Uh, oh, I didn't know. I was. I guess that makes sense. They were referring to him. They show him on the next on too. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, did you watch the next on? I did watch the next on for the. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 wow! You don't usually do that. That's because that that was a pretty big deal. Next on. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's interesting. But yeah, at any rate, it, it's a. Uh, I love it. I, by the way, folks, we should mention we are going to spoil the book like crazy. We are going to spoil uh, this episode of the series and any prior episodes of the series. We will not spoil future episodes of the series. Kurt has not seen the series yet. This is his first time watching it. So this is a, a little interesting dynamic here that I've already seen it. Kurt has not. So I will not spoil any future episodes of Watchmen, the series. Uh, and But that's that's all we can promise we are going to spoil the book so mm-hmm. yeah be, be, be warned you may want to read the book first so yeah 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 all right so yeah i love the the how thematic this is i mean you know if if the book was very thematic regarding the cold war like the, the thing about it was it was written during the cold war and the cold war played such an important part in the book right yeah and so this series was made <laughs> I mean, it was made before COVID, but it was airing like during COVID, <laughs> and uh, and and all the the racial tension that came about therein. Uh, so it was very very like 
I don't know, op- opportunistically dropped <laughs> because it, it, everything seemed incredibly relevant. So, and as, as I imagine, the graphic novel must have seemed when it came out. So that, that I thought was really cool, too. Uh, some actors. Did, did you recognize any of the actors in this? Uh, Angela is from The Leftovers. Yeah, she <laughs> plays Erica Murphy on The Leftovers. I'm so glad you recognized her. It's <laughs> like, so, oh, man. I did uh, not she, recognize anyone else. Yeah, okay, he's got to recognize Erica. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, That's Regina King, and she played Erica Murphy on The Leftovers. So, yeah, so Can that's ask, a little... Yep. Is that why she wasn't around for season three of The Leftovers? No, no, no. Watchmen... Was because Lindelof was making. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah Lindelof was. Yeah, he wasn't making uh, Watchmen when he was making the leftovers. So, mm. yeah, I think um, if I'm getting this right, it was like American Crime or something. American something. It was another anthology series that she was busy filming. Oh, okay. But anyway, uh, I, th- I I think it's American Crime. I don't know. It's American something. Oh. <laughs> whatever uh anyway so that that's an actor um that you would recognize uh jeremy irons plays i don't i don't know what you want to call this guy this is the guy uh who rides in on his horse to this castle like thing okay what do you you want to call this guy i could tell you what (laughs) what he was credited as he's credited as the lord of the manor do you want to call him the lord of the manor I called him master in my notes. That's fine. We can, <laughs> but, yeah, that that's that makes sense because that's what they call him. I mean, can I can I label him who I think he is? You can take a guess, sure. So I mean, I had one idea, and then I had another. I mean, so he's either John Osman, Doctor uh, Manhattan, uh, Osterman, yeah, Osterman. Sorry, mm-hmm. either Doctor Manhattan or Zadrian Veidt. Okay. Now. I having read this like the little extra stuff. I think he's Adrian Veidt. Okay, so I'm gonna go with Adrian Veidt. Okay, final answer. Am I correct? Right. Noted. Uh, no, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> so. I was hoping I could. I was hoping I could well, we, we, we're, we'll call we'll call him Master. Okay, uh, call if, Master. If that's what you said in your notes, that's what Crookshanks and Phillips call him. So yeah, yeah. we'll we'll call him Master. So. um but that's Jeremy. Well, we call him the Lord. We call him the Lord. All right, Lord, Lord of the Manor. That's that's how he was credited. So uh, he's a he's a very well known actor, Jeremy Irons. Um, let's see. Uh, Adrian Veidt is well known. Yeah. Oh, the, maybe. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the guy in the wheelchair uh, is Louis Gossett Jr. He's a really well known actor. Probably you haven't seen him in anything, or Jeremy Irons. You probably haven't seen either of them in anything because they're, you know, not. Not this generation's actors, but uh, and and Judd, which actually this was shocking when I watched this and and Judd was dead at the end of the episode. I was like, how is that? How <laughs> he's a like, name actor? He's a huge name actor. It's Don Johnson. Like he's he's Miami Vice. He's he's like he was a and he was in every trailer, every bit of promotional material that they did featured Don Johnson. He was honestly, arguably the main character of this episode. You could, yeah, you could definitely. Argue I, I, th- that. I think you could make that argument. The, 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 yeah, I mean, definitely. Angela certainly seems like the main character material, uh, but I think maybe Don Don Johnson as Judd had even more screen time than Angela did. So it was shocking to me that he uh, was dead at the end of the episode. <laughs> No, yeah, I was not expecting that. I mean, yeah. 
I guess I was a bit before. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, not well, I'll, up, I'll tell you how you should have known, or you not you personally, but how I should have known <laughs> that that he was going to die at the end of this episode. So, are you, you're probably not familiar at all with the musical Oklahoma, are you? No. Nah. Okay. So <laughs> one one of the songs. It, it, well, several of the songs from Oklahoma are featured in this episode. There's the song that they're singing at the actual performance of Oklahoma. There's the song that Judd sings around the dinner table at the dinner party. And then there's the song that plays right at the end uh, before the cre- the closing credits roll. And did you notice that, that the title of the episode was in? Yeah, the song. And so yeah. the name Judd. Yeah, poor Judd is dead. Poor Judd. That's yeah. the, the, like. So as soon as I saw the title of the episode was It's Summer and We're Running Out of Ice, I, sh- I should have known. Poor Judd oh, is that, dead. Poor Judd is dead. Oh, yeah. th- and this guy's name is Judd. This guy's going to die. I, I sh- I so I love that they put that right out there in the beginning. And if you know Oklahoma well enough, you probably could have predicted Judd's death. Okay. So, Fair. yeah, so I think that's pretty cool. Anyway. All right. Kurt, let's talk about our favorite scenes. All right. Okay. I think that I I think I know what your favorite scene is. Um, I think your favorite scene is when Looking Glass interrogates the guy in the pod and comes out and he's like, "Is that his name, Looking Glass?" Looking. Well, that's his that's his uh, vigilante name. Do you know all the vigilante names? There are four primary ones. No, I didn't even know there was any. I I know his name's uh, Wade. Okay, so his yeah, that's his actual name is Wade. Yeah. But his his character name, his his vigilante name is Looking Glass. Okay, Looking okay. Glass. Okay. Looking Glass. That's why you hear um what's his name? Uh Judd, you hear Judd call him LG quite commonly. So he calls him LG. That's Looking Glass. Okay. Right. Um the guy who wears all red and they refer to him as Red. Yeah. That's Red Scare. Which, of course, yeah, you'll be familiar with the Red Scare, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want to tell you Angela's. Yeah, it wasn't revealed in this episode. Yeah, I don't no. think it was. Um, so, but that will definitely be revealed. What what hers is. Um, I will tell you that the person flying Archie. Oh, uh, I did see hers. I think hers was on the subtitles. Is that Pirate yeah. Jenny? Pirate Jenny, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so those seem to be the four main. Uh, most of the other cops are just wearing the like the, the issue standard issue yellow masks. They're just right? cops, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but oh, and Panda, of course, has has the panda mask. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but that but that's that's it. Like those those seem to be the only five cops that are not wearing the yellow standard issue masks. They're they're doing their own thing. I don't know if they. Uh, or have an advanced rank or if they have been grandfathered in because they've been around for a while or what but anyway that they have like actual vigilante personas which is kind of cool okay all right all right so i think that the pod looking glasses interrogation of the guy in the pod and he comes out and he's like oh yeah he definitely knows something he uh he responded to all the the triggers. His, his eyes went nuts with the Rorschachs and <laughs> all that stuff. So, uh, I think that's your favorite scene. Okay. Hmm. Man, I really don't know what your scene is. <laughs> I think your favorite scene is 
like the first set of scenes we see that are back in uh, nineteen twenty one. That those that the Tulsa event. The Tulsa can massacre. Count that? Yeah, yeah can count count that. that. I mean, it's yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, okay. yeah. That's a, that's yeah. one scene I'd say. Got it. Yeah, then that yeah. specifically, specifically okay. with the kid. Um, who I think it's Michael Reeves. I'm not sure. Michael Reeves. Is that the name? Michael, where, wh- what name? Oh, wait. Uh, Will Reeves, sorry. Will Reeves. Will Reeves. Yes. Wh- where did you get Will Reeves from? This is uh, wrong. I'm, I'm not I... sure where you're getting it from. Do they say Will Reeves somewhere in this episode? They sit on the next one. Oh, <laughs> no, okay. they didn't say, I don't know if they said that. Or <laughs> the subtitles might have given that one away, actually. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I know I know that the old man in the wheelchair is that kid because he had the note. He had the note. Had okay, the note. I, I, the I, note. I I think that's a fair guess. I mean, it doesn't. It's not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. But then he says he's one hundred and five years old. One hundred and eight in the in the, in the next side. Sorry, sorry one hundred and eight, yeah. which lines up with the Tulsa. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Doesn't actually, it, it, I think it roughly well. Up, two th- if it's 2019, the, this is set in 2019, so 108 puts it at two, uh 1911, and the Tulsa massacre was 1921. So, yeah, it'd have been like nine or ten, yeah, okay, something like so, that. So, I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting guess, but but any, anyway, I think that's your favorite scene, okay? So, the opening scene. All right. Do you want me to reveal mine first, or do you want to reveal yours first? I'll reveal mine first. Uh, okay. I did like that scene. It was definitely on my short list. I, I did mm-hmm. enjoy the looking glass and the interrogation. That was cool. Was okay. not my favorite scene. Mine okay. would have been um, the um, Judd with like the council, almost like a Congress or Parliament of cops. They're going through like the articles. They're they're enacting mm-hmm. Article Four. Panda seems like the the judge or something of this group that and the, the cops hate Panda for being I guess a contrarian yeah. whatever a st- stickler for the rules at stickler least for the yeah. rules yeah the rules master so mm-hmm. but yeah that, that was my favorite scene okay all right so I, honestly I, I will tell you I mean is there anything more you want to say about that scene or no I'll leave it okay I will tell you that I had so many stars in my notes that for possible favorite scenes it's like unbelievable <laughs> how many possible favorite scenes i had uh but you actually were right i that is uh, that opening scene is my favorite scene i, I, I want to explain a little bit about why that was my uh, second favorite scene i did was it, it? My second, yeah i thought about picking it okay so this is interesting this depiction of the tulsa uh, race massacre which is an actual event you know did you know that i didn't know that okay so the tulsa race massacre is an actual event that happened in a, a section of Tulsa called uh, was it Greenwood? Greenwood, Greenwood, Greenwood. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Green, Greenberry, Greenberry, Greenberry. Sorry, yeah. I, I wanted to say Greenwood too, though. Is it Greenwood? I think I th- they they wrote in the in the little text they put Greenwood. Okay, the, uh, supplemental text. So I thought it was. I know it's green something. Okay. Well, <laughs> th- this area became known as Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Okay, it it was like. A really like one of the most, if not the most, affluent black communities in the country. Uh, they, they were it was just booming, uh, and and it's just it's kind of an example of black America like making progress and then getting just squashed. Um, because what happened, according to what I've read about it, is that. There were allegations 
of sexual harassment against a black man who uh, was riding an elevator with a white uh, female elevator operator. Um, and he was detained and then be under, under the protection of local law enforcement. Um, but there were riots calling for him to be lynched by, you know, white mobs, basically. Uh, meanwhile, a group of uh, armed black people came and wanted to help protect the guy. Um, they offered their services to the law enforcement, actually, uh, to help protect the guy. And from there, just all hell broke, broke loose. And we're talking like burning buildings. And uh, from the official reports, I think list 36 people dead. But since the official reports came out, investigations have been done. And it's, it seems more like there were hundreds of people killed and and even more than that now without homes because their homes were burned. So uh, this is the first time I had ever even heard of the Tulsa race massacre, which is like, I think an abomination. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a travesty that I, uh, you know, in my forties had never heard of this event until I was shown in this miniseries that's, you know, a fictional miniseries. I only heard about the event from you because you were watching Love... Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country. That's, that's the only... You told me about it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, what? And then I, I, I was in disbelief. And I looked it up and, yeah. And so I, I kind of learned... I, I looked at it. It's, it's fascinating to me. That's, yeah. That's, that's occurred in... Yeah, you don't hear about it in school, really. I don't no. Know. I don't know. <laughs> this is like a, a major event in U.S. history that just got swept under the rug. And, I, you know, I've, I've done some research on, like, where it has popped up in pop culture. like, And it really hasn't until Watchmen. Uh, the, so, the two biggest instances are Watchmen and um, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Country. Yeah, I, I, looked, I looked it up after watching this episode. I was like... Huh, I know Michelle saw he saw this in Lovecraft. Which, what else covers this? Like, this is like, yeah, and other than documentaries that cover it directly, mm-hmm. no, nah, there's nothing else really in yeah. pop culture, right? Yeah, exactly, right. So, there are some documentaries, but even the documentaries, I think, are newer, they are. They're, 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 so, like, Watchmen predates all of those, including Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, which, by the way, that's a great series as well. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about uh, a series with, with themes of race relations in america uh that's set during the jim crow era and oh that is that is difficult to watch i mean it's it's a horror series and you know the 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 racism is more horrific than the actual horror elements which is pretty amazing um anyway this series watchmen deals a lot with race relations as well I don't know if you've noticed that this is going to be a theme, but <laughs> it seems I mean, like it was yeah. the, the seventh, uh, seventh cavalry. cavalry. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a theme throughout the season that the race relations is and in the forefront. Okay. Uh, and so they do open the ser- this whole series with the Tulsa race massacre, which is something I had never heard of. This just not been, that had not been really depicted in popular TV and movies. Until this point, almost a hundred years later. So unbelievable. Anyway, so that, yeah, that's my favorite scene. I th- beyond the fact that it was educating me on something that I had never known about our country's history, uh, I think it's just a great scene anyway. <laughs> so especially once you uh, delve into the 
supplementary material, the PDPedia about Bass Reeves and this movie that's playing right in the beginning. That that adds a lot of flavor to this. It's really interesting. Uh, you know, the, the the kid picking up the baby right at the end there and walking away from Tulsa burning in the background is that that's just an image that I I think it's iconic. I I'll never forget that image the the kid looking through the bullet hole oh I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and seeing the people dragged behind the horse and cut oh my it's 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 an amazing amazing scene it's like it's terrifying as and it's and it's gross and disgusting and uh but i'm, I'm so grateful to have learned about this and so as much as i love the rest of this episode there are so many scenes that i adore that are more probably relevant to the plot of this episode anyway maybe not the plot of the whole season but the plot of this episode uh this opening scene i think is is just etched in my memory permanently typical typical teacher picking, <laughs> picking the educational stuff above I mean, all else. <laughs> i mean I, I just think it's so societally relevant like it, how have i never heard of this before no sure it, it's listed as like the worst uh, example of racial violence in America, right? So, so it is kind of mind-boggling, <laughs> and it's, and it's that... only because Damon Lindelof put it into a a, a superhero series in, in 2019, 100 years later, that I even know about it. It's, it, it, it's insane. Yeah. So, so thank you, Damon, for for doing that. I do appreciate it. But anyway, all right. Are you ready to uh, recap the episode? I'd say so. Okay, we'll try to go through this relatively quickly because I know we've already spent a lot of time uh, talking about the episode, and we still have to get to the PDPedia. <laughs> so uh, let's let's start with this opening scene in 1921. We've got a boy who narrowly escapes the Tulsa Race Massacre uh, from a movie theater where he's watching Trust the Trust in the Law. Uh, a movie about Bass Reeves, who we'll talk about later on in the PDPedia. Uh, his father pulls him out of there. His mother was playing the piano. Uh, they All three of them try to get this ride out of town, but they can only fit the boy. And his father leaves a note in his pocket saying, watch over this boy. And he and a baby are the only survivors of that escape truck. Uh, and he walks away from Greenberry or Greenwood. I really should look that up and it's figure Greenwood. that out. I, I looked it up. It's Greenwood. All right. Greenwood. So why don't, all right. So I'm not sure why I have Greenberry written down. Anyway, Greenwood, um, as it burns behind him. So there's that scene. Uh, our first scene in present day, of course, by present day, I mean 2019. That's when it was released. So it was present day at the time. The first scene is this traffic stop. We have a masked cop, which <laughs> when I saw this, this is when... Uh, masks were starting to become you know more common in the beginning of COVID <laughs> so yeah. I was like oh okay I guess we're, those we're, are the rules for filming media we're, now we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna put masks in here okay uh there's a mask cop that observes a Rorschach mask in the driver's glove compartment did you recognize it when he opened yeah, the oh, glove yeah. compartment yeah. Mm -hmm. okay yeah and he calls it contraband uh, and it's a mask of the cavalry. That's all. That's all he says at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay, but it is contraband, so that's that's interesting. Um, he calls that in and requests to re the release of his weapon. So I I love this scene too. I, this was another one on my short list because I feel like we learn so much about what's going on in this universe 
just watching this scene and we're, we're not like told things explicitly like it's just we see this cop trying to get his weapon because he feels threatened and he can't because it needs to be released he's got to like submit basically a report in order to get the release of his weapon so that's uh, we, we learned about, a lot about that we learned that rorschach uh, masks are contraband anyway uh panda finally releases the weapon but too late the guy gets gunned this is charlie by the way the guy the guy uh, charlie gets gunned down by this driver in his rorschach mask so that's a pretty chilling image because we are so familiar with rorschach from the from the graphic novel uh to see this guy firing this weapon at this cop with a rorschach mask on is, is pretty chilling he also leaves his calling card Yes, he does. Head of lettuce. Head of lettuce. I believe it, it was romaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were there croutons? <laughs> the other thing about this scene, too, is you also see like how f- there's, there's a lot more guidelines for the police in this university. Yes. Where they follow a lot more. Like, for example, right, when, when the cop pulls him over, mm-hmm. you know, he, he says the time and kind of like make, makes a note i'm assuming he's being recorded or he has a body cam mm-hmm. based on the way he's talking so well, that's what he says he says you you can send oh, yeah, to recording right. yeah you can send to recording you're right he does say mm-hmm. that so yeah it, it, it does illustrate a lot about the, the present day through that yeah it seems like the the police have much more restrictions that they have to follow uh and it also seems like the police are in a lot more danger than than uh we're used to as well i mean police are always in danger obviously but um, in this world, that, that's the reason they're wearing masks. Yes, yes. Right? And we, you know, we'll get to that a little later in the episode, but that's, everybody's very concerned about the possibility of this cop being seen without his mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has an alibi for what they do when they go to, to do their shift with the police department. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they say we, that they're doing something else. We, we get an example from Angela mm-hmm. as to what happened. With her face. Yep. Well, that's before they had masks, apparently, but yes. the bad guys knew her face. Exactly. All right. Police Chief Judd, Judd Crawford, uh, gets called out of an all-black version of Oklahoma to the hospital where Charlie is. Uh, and he's, Now, we should note that there are empty seats next to him. They were supposed to be for Angela and Cal, who apparently have their sitter bow on them. Or Cal didn't like music. Uh, or Angela didn't even tell Cal about it. Or Angela did not like music herself. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, Judd is very concerned about protecting his uh, Charlie's identity. You know, he wants background checks done on all of the nurses and doctors and orderlies who've interacted with Charlie. Uh, it's really important that his identity not – that he not be doxxed, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? So, anyway, uh, Looking Glass, Wade – fills him in on what happened, including the lettuce. I believe it was Romaine. <laughs> All right. So, point of that? <laughs> is that. Is that how the cops are in this timeline? Like they, they look at every little thing. Well, I, I think looking glass specifically. I guess is, that's, like, that's it, like what he does. He over, he analyzes everything. Yeah, Like attention to detail is kind yeah. of seems to be his thing. Like no, it does. It does. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, Judd goes to visit Charlie's wife, Roberta, and he told people that he was going to night school. Charlie did. Uh, that was his alibi for, for going to do his shifts. Um, and that 
works out okay for Judd. He says, all right, well, we're going to say that it was a carjacking while he was at night school. So it, it cannot get out that this guy's a cop uh, because cops are in a lot of danger here. There's live footage. I don't know if you noticed this. Did you? I'm sure you noticed it. It was pretty front and center. Like as Judd is leaving, there's live footage of Dr. Manhattan on Mars. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, basically building a castle and then crumbling it. <laughs> so as as Angela says about as she's talking about egg whites, the walls come tumbling down. <laughs> so there's some overlap there. Speaking of Angela. Um, she is giving a, some sort of demonstration to uh, a school classroom. She's uh, separating an egg uh, yolk from the whites. Uh, so we have her uh, making some kind of, it's what appears to be a smiley face out of the yolks when they, <laughs> they have the camera shot up from the bottom, right? Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah no so blood this on one, it, though. No blood on this one. We'll get that at the end. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but no blood on this, but we do get the smiley face, the, kind of the symbol of the comedian from the original graphic novel. Right? Um, I don't, uh, just looking around the room at some of the posters, there's a poster that says, it's called The Anatomy of the Squid. And if I you saw that, that yeah, is that anatomy. That. So, so I guess I, I guess it wouldn't matter to me at this point. Right. So squid anatomy is something that's, really important in this universe uh for those of you who don't remember the book or doesn't didn't listen to our preview podcast which you should by the way um there uh there was at the end of the graphic novel uh adrian veit set a giant psychic squid uh kind of falling or teleporting in from another dimension not from another dimension from an island into New York City and dying upon entry and upon its death this its death rattle is this psychic shockwave that uh, kills half of New York City, three million people at the time. So we do. There's there are squid themes throughout here. So there's a squid poster here. We get the president's poster. Uh, we see Richard Nixon, who we know was president for I think 24 years, uh, according to the the radio graphic novel and the radio. And I think the PDPedia. I think it's like 24 years. Uh, and then next to him is Robert Redford, who is the current president. Okay. Poor, poor Ford. He's all forgotten. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. And Ford was – that's right, because Ford was a president in between Nixon and Redford, I believe. He is. He is. He is. Okay. Uh, say he is, but I wonder yep. how long – I wonder if Nixon died or why. I think why. that's that's probably the likely scenario hmm. was that Nixon was in office until he died. But I don't know. Uh, you know, in, in the graphic novel, Redford is running against Nixon – in the upcoming election, which would have been 88. Hmm. So anyway, well, I, I don't know if we'll, we'll find out about that, but uh, we know that Redford is the president now and has been for a long time. We find out that Angela was born in Vietnam a couple of years before it became a state. So uh, the, that's kind of the turning point of Watchmen lore versus our history. Right. Um, everything prior to the Vietnam war could have overlapped with our actual history. Right. Uh, but in Watchmen in the graphic novel, uh, Dr. Manhattan almost single-handedly goes in and wins the Vietnam war for the U S uh, apparently to the point where Vietnam is <laughs> included as a state now. So there you have it. I wonder what else are states like. Yeah. Australia? Oh, did, 
Did you happen to see the flag outside of uh, Angela and Cal's house? No, I didn't. The American oh, flag. That, well, it, how many stars? It, it didn't count the stars, but it's a very different looking flag. There's a ring of stars in the middle of the flag instead of the box of stars in the corner. So uh, it turns out Angela was a Tulsa police officer until she retired after being attacked on the white night. And that's most of we she does describe what happened to her on the white night. We don't know why it's called the white night at this point, but um, that was before cops could wear masks. So they came into her home because they knew who she was and they shot her. So now she's opening a bakery. A, uh, a, a, bake, yeah, a bakery called Milk in Hanoi. So it's a Vietnamese bakery. Uh, and one of the snot-nosed kids in the class raises his hand and says, did Redfordations pay for that? So, so I'm assuming this is some sort of reparations mm-hmm. to Redford. That's, mm-hmm. my, that's, that's what my, it sounds like. That's, that's my Redfordations <laughs> sounds a lot like reparations. <laughs> Redford's the president, so... He's apparently uh, a very liberal one. Yes, that's what that's what we're made to believe. Okay, now um, after this kid says that, Topher attacks the name? kid. Okay, who said who said it? Yeah, Topher uh, is this kid. Uh, with, I mean, I don't think that Angela ever calls Topher her son, but they ride home together, so <laughs> I think we can assume this is her son. Mm-hmm. Or someone right. that she just happens to live with. <laughs> someone she happens to Roommate, live with. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of home, Angela and Topher do drive home. Uh, and along the way, they discuss the, the that kid's uh, relative racism. So Topher says that he is a racist. Angela says he's not a racist, but he's not. He's he's uh, sure on the right path toward that. Mm-hmm. And then it rains squid. Yeah, whatever. So... <laughs> Well, at least you could smell now, kid. You're good. You're good, Topher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're tiny little squid. They're not a giant psychic squid, but they are squid nonetheless. Um, I, lo- I love this because it reminds me of my favorite movie, Magnolia, in which it rains frogs. So this is this is pretty cool. The air raid sirens go off. It's it kind of, Everybody kind of rolls their eyes like, oh, crap, not again. And down come the squid. So... Can, can I give a guess as to why I think the sure. squids are? I, well, I I I think the squids are coming because Adrian Vite has done something to cause it to to rain squids, to remind okay. everyone of the of the squid incident. Why would he need to remind everyone of the squid incident? Just to, just to make sure they know that it's it's looming. I, I don't know. If there's there, there's a bigger threat, people. There's always a bigger threat. Okay, squids. yeah. So that's kind of the point of. The giant psychic squid, right, was to take Russia and the United States, put them on the same team against this common enemy, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, so you, I, I, if I'm interpreting your explanation correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is Adrian Veidt trying to maintain that common enemy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, that, that needs to be a, a constant threat, otherwise World War Three. Yeah, well, not even. Well, yeah, just to yeah, just to remind them of that incident. Remind them that these these alien squids are still about. Look at this; they're mm-hmm. raining squids on you. And maybe mm-hmm. every once in a while, he drops another big squid. Gotcha. I don't know All if right. he actually does that. But... <laughs> no, we'll see. All right. Uh, at home, 
Angela sees Cal and their daughter because this she, she does you know call her sweetie she calls herself mom uh, she talks about her sister so these do this this girl and then there's another girl who we haven't seen yet who uh, seemed to be actually her daughter although she, she hasn't I have, we haven't heard Topher refer, refer to her as mom yet and we we can kind of assume but there's at least that Angela has a pager. I don't know. Did you notice the lack of cell phones in this? No, I did not. Uh, there are no cell phones in this. This is th- this is a pager. Are you familiar with pagers? Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with pagers. <laughs> okay, so this is a, this is a, a pager of Angela's that with a message coming through that says a little big corn, and uh, so she has to run off to the bakery. Now, are you you familiar with the Battle of Little Big Horn? No, I'm not. What is that? Oh, really? Okay, that was Custer's Last Sand. Sand Civil War? Uh, I think. <laughs> Wait, no, you know, know the battle? You no, know the war I, don't, I don't think it's the Civil War. <laughs> you, you, you've never heard of General Custer? No. Okay, I don't know if it's the Civil War. It, it, might, be, it might be the the um, the French Indian War. It's definitely not the Civil the, War. Wait, no, it, it would. Uh, let's see. It's during 1976. Which no, after... 1876. 1876, sorry. Okay. That's, that's after the Civil War. Okay. It is the Battle of Little Bighorns. This is against mm-hmm. Native Americans. Yes. Wow. It was against Native Americans. That's why I thought maybe it was the French Indian War or one of those wars. Uh, it looks just against, I don't think it's against the French at all. I think it's just against some Native Americans in Montana. Okay, well, at any rate, the, what is today, man? The, <laughs> the important thing is that Custer's last stand is was the Battle of Little Bighorn. He was killed there, um, and you know who he brought into battle with him? Well, no, who? The Seventh Cavalry. Se- oh, you're right, Seventh <laughs> Cavalry Regiment. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh. So, I mean, this is the and code. he yeah. brought in James Calhoun. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, you also died but, in the battle. But this is uh, <laughs> this is apparently their code word for Seventh Cavalry problems. They say "little bighorn." Uh, see that? All right. Okay. Like a little bighorn is code for Seventh Cavalry. So it's like a, like a dog whistle. But, well, this, she's but getting this message to, yeah. on her pager that, that's telling her but to like report the to the police station. <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, I don't know, like what do, what do they call? Like a, pre- what does the Secret Service call the president? Like Eagle One or the Air Force One? They call it Eagle One or something like that. That sounds right. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's like that. Okay. Yeah. They, so. they, they, for Queen Elizabeth, when oh, she actually now has passed away, but mm-hmm. the the code for when she passed away was the London bridges has fallen down. Really? Yeah. Or the oh. London bridges fallen. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's like the code oh name for yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, which, which I'm sure that didn't instill any other any further panic than the queen has died. <laughs> this bridge fell. The, the bridge <laughs> actually fell. Like, <laughs> like as in the queen actually died. No, well, no, no. I <laughs> mean, what if the what if London Bridge actually did fall down? What if that's what I'm saying? Well, what if it fell with the queen on it? Then what? <laughs> then what? Like we have both the London Bridge is fallen and the London Bridge is fallen. Oh my goodness. Okay. Anyway, on her way to the bakery, we get like kind of bombarded with American hero story promotions. Uh it seems like this is gonna be some kind of TV event. 
Uh, it's on a blimp. It's on a bus. And on that bus, it looks like Hood of Justice. So just saying, there's a noose so, around the guy's neck. So I just want to be noted that this is why I thought the supplemental material was videos, was because oh. I saw the stuff. And I was like, oh, so this is going to be supplemental material. Obviously, oh. this is great supplemental material. Yeah, I want to love this when I get to watch this. And then, and, then, and then I come to learn it's all just reading. So that's all well, right. I was just. Well, oh, I will tell you that we're going to see bits and pieces of American Hero Story along the way. I, I'm assuming, but I, I was yeah. hoping I get to watch the whole thing. Well, well. Supplemental material. Maybe, maybe I can somehow. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to go looking for it. Yeah, please don't. Okay. Uh, we also see a newspaper headline that says Vite officially declared dead. So this would be Adrian Vite, Oz- Ozymandias, who was actually responsible for the giant psychic squid. Uh, but that is not public knowledge that he was responsible for the giant psychic squid. Okay, there's some, the, the, the person reading the newspaper is some guy in a wheelchair. And he stops Angela to ask when the bakery's going to open. And do you think that he could lift, he can lift 200, 200 pounds? pounds? Yeah. Do you think I could do it? Anyway, Angela is in the bakery and she transforms into her vigilante persona, which we don't know the name of yet. Uh, and she breaks into a trailer to hit a guy. We don't know anything more at this point other than that. She gets to the police station and there's a 7th Cavalry threat recording playing uh this has happened after three years of peace with the seventh cavalry and judd authorizes the release of firearms against panda's wishes he ends the meeting Uh, did you catch this what he what he ended the meeting by saying i don't know what it's latin but yeah i don't know well yeah it's who's custodiat ipsos custodis which is who watches the watchman oh okay yeah yeah Uh, and then what do they reply I don't know what they replied, but um, so for more on that phrase, you can listen to our preview coverage. So uh, from last week. Yeah. Anyway, he also uh, has authorized them to go out into the Nixonville and round up the likelies. So Nixonville, I, I assume this is meant to be some sort of uh, parallel to hoovervilles are you familiar with hoovervilles i am yes yeah so during the great depression yeah yeah they're the little kind of what what would you call them shack communities yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. very Um, poor communities uh mm -hmm. they're called hoovervilles because they blamed herbert hoover the president at the time Mm -hmm. for uh causing something tells me these people aren't blaming nixon though (laughs) that's the (laughs) that is something these these people are probably if they're in the seventh cavalry uh, they're they're probably just fine with Nixon. <laughs> they miss him. Yeah, they probably do. All right. After the meeting, Angela is hanging out at Judd's desk with an owl coffee mug. Did you notice that? No. She's drinking coffee out of an, uh, a mug shaped like an owl. You know, this is kind of mean because this guy's in jail. As far as I'm aware, from the yeah, right, material. right, yeah, Dan, Dan Dryberg is in jail. Yeah, He's using all his like likeness and Archie yep. and everything. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that's the same Archie, not. Yeah, it really sure looks one. like it. Yeah, even if it is, that's his likeness. Like, come on. Yep. Did you notice the book that was on Jez's desk? No, I did not. What's the book? Under the hood. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yes, Hollis Mason, the original Night Owls. Uh, memoir about uh becoming a crime fighter 
Yeah, that's what I mean. There's so many Easter eggs. It's just so cool. The, 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 I, I feel bad for people who watch this and haven't read the book uh, because the, you're, you're missing out. You're yeah, missing how out. Do you, how do you watch this without <laughs> reading the book? I mean, I, I I don't think there's any been anything that hasn't been. No, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, the squids. I guess the squids are kind of important. If you don't know about the squids, then you, I hope you read the supplementary material at least because otherwise... <laughs> Uh, you're going to be a little lost at any rate. Let's move on. So uh, she's drinking out of the owl mug. There's um, under the hood on the desk. And she says that uh, she beat him to the Nixonville uh, raid. She's already got one in the trunk. Put him in the pod. She can she can smell white supremacy, and this guy smells like bleach. So this is the equivalent of okay, you ready to go Easter egg hunting? Already did it. Found all the Easter eggs. Like, I, I, I already went to the park ahead of time. Collected all of them. Got them, sir. Yeah, like she took all the fun out of it. <laughs> Really cool. All right, let's let's go to the pod. L, LG and uh, Looking Glass interrogates this bleach guy in the pod. It, it's it's really I think this is awesome. There's this really intense music playing. I don't know if that music is playing in the pod or it's just music that we're <laughs> hearing. I think I like to think of it as being as actually playing in the pod while he's interrogating the guy. Uh, and you're flat. They're flashing all kinds of symbols up. It's a, it's a 360 degree room so the, the the photos or the images are 360 degrees i mean we're seeing all kinds of stuff uh we're seeing rorschachs we're seeing um I don't like I'm blank. Yeah, like oh yeah yep. farmhouses yep we're seeing all kinds of stuff from, from all from all angles of the political spectrum we're seeing this imagery uh we're seeing and, and then he's asking questions like how would you feel if i defecated on the american flag right uh are you or are or are you associated with anybody who is part of the white supremacy group known as the seventh cavalry and he asks that question like over and over and over again. what did you have for breakfast yeah what did you have so all, all kinds of stuff um hard-hitting ones yeah 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 and uh, he comes out and he somehow knows that he knows something. But the guy didn't admit to anything. He could but, looking but glass he, I guess so. I guess so. So anyway, he comes out and says that he knows something. So Sister Knight, uh, uh, so, uh, oops, <laughs> Angela <Sorry>. takes over. <laughs> Angela takes over and, and beats him into giving up the cattle ranch location. So... Off to the cattle ranch they go to raid this place. Looks there are four Rorschachs in here. It looks like they're harvesting watch batteries. And they detect the raid somehow. And they dole out some cyanide pills and start firing these gigantic (laughs) rounds off the back of a truck and killing all these cattle. And uh, so Angela and... It's a cool scene. It's really amazing. (laughs) Like, like you these cows for covers again, like eviscerated. Yes. yes. I was curious to what pills they had. I didn't know they were poison pills. Obviously, at the time, mm-hmm. in a moment, I will. But I was like, are, are they taking like drugs? Like, nah, yes. they making like better fighters or something? Mm-hmm. But, nah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but these cattle shields, these are pretty amazing. And the cyanide pills is a callback to the the graphic novel as well. Mm-hmm. Because well, Vite putting that inside. Ex- yeah. Yes, exactly. Vite had hired someone to attempt to assassinate him and fed him a cyanide pill 
so that he'd take all so the today's society. Hmm. I don't know if they all believe that. <laughs> That's right. We don't know. Anyway, uh, Ed, did you notice inside when Angela like was beating up the guy inside the farmhouse? There was a dollar bill poster. No, I did not see the dollar yeah. bill poster. It's, there's like this. She notices this this poster for whatever the bank was, like First National Bank or whatever it's called. Uh, and there's and there's an image of dollar bill on it. And so, it's, uh, again, so cool. I love I love all these Easter eggs. Dollar um, bill. Yeah. Uh, two of the Rorschachs get away in a plane. Uh, Judd and Pirate Jenny chase them and torch them in midair. Uh, in what looks like Archie, and I assume is Archie, uh, but they crash too. So, but everybody's okay. Judd gets a laugh out of it, and uh, yeah, there you go. That's the end of the ranch. Good for the ranch. What's going on with the Lord? Well, this is some. I don't know where we are, but it's someplace very green. <laughs> um, there's a horse rider returning to his castle or manor or something. I don't know. It's called the, he's, he's called the Lord of the Manor, so we'll call it the Manor. Uh, Alphonse welcomes him, his, welcomes his master home. Uh, Miss Crookshanks massages his thighs <laughs> while he types. Well, yeah, he had a very been riding the horse a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Phillips offers to dress him for his anniversary. And we don't know what the well, and they did say what's the anniversary of, right? Did they? No, I guess they didn't. So yeah, it's, it's the anniversary some, of something. Uh, and they make this beautiful cake for him out of the honeycomb that he gathered for them. And Phillips Phil, <laughs> offers him a horseshoe with which to cut his cake. So you like and, turn animals into people or something? <laughs> like, why, why is he using a horseshoe? That's what I think a, a horse would do. Uh, that's a great question. Um, and, Suspicious that he's a horse. <laughs> turned human well this horse turned human gifts the lord of the manor an exquisite pocket watch wait doesn't he specify that he gives him a pocket watch after whoever the lord is threw away the pieces yes yes and 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 (laughs) phillips phillips put it back together and speaking of putting watch pieces back together the lord of the manor is writing a tragedy in five acts and he wants crookshanks and phillips to play the leads the title of the play the watchmaker's son that's a lot like dr manhattan to me so this, <laughs> this is why i think this could be dr manhattan you know, okay things seem really nice he has godly power so he could probably will things into being and yeah, it's been 35 years for the people on earth so who knows what he's been doing Right, but after but we the... did just see him on Mars destroying a sandcastle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he but... does travel very fast. My my other question goes. Oh, anyway, but it, it could be Adrian Veidt. But oh, I guess I can talk about that later. But... Gotcha. All right, that's all we get with the Lord of the Manor. We now have a dinner party with Angela's family and Judd's family. Uh, Judd's family being his wife. I don't think her, his wife is named in this episode. Not to my knowledge. Okay. Judd is a little coked up, but he regales them with his own Oklahoma rendition 
uh, as a clock ticks. Did you hear the clock ticking this whole time? I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Angela tells Judd outside about the old synthetic lithium batteries they found. They, they, you can't get these anymore. These are, uh, they don't mention it here. Uh, they did say, they did say that they, these are the ones that were getting people sick. Yeah. Okay. Get, and uh, Judd drops cancer in here, so uh, these are these Dr. Manhattan, were presumed maybe. to be giving people cancer. If you read the PDPedia, they do talk about these as being M class or Manhattan class, like synthesized by Dr. Manhattan. So you can't get them anymore. But Angela thinks that she just thinks that Judd's not even worried about this, but he is definitely worried. He says, "Back home, Judd fills in the governor about what happened as a trailer for American Hero Story plays, and they show you know all, all the hits. There's Dollar Bill, and there's Mothman, and there's Captain Metropolis, and there's Hooded Justice. Like <laughs> there they all are." Turns out Charlie woke up, so Judd's going to go in uniform to see him. And while he's in uniform driving, which he shouldn't be because his wife told him, don't drive because you're coked up. Um, he's listening to the radio. Sounds like he's listening to some pretty conservative radio uh, because somebody complaining about 30 years of Redford. And if Joe Jr. is considering a presidential run, then I say, let him go for it. Joe Jr. being Joseph Keene, Senator Keene's son, presumably. Keene of the Keene Act that outlawed vigilantism. Judd's truck gets a flat uh, intentionally. This looks like something that Mike... <laughs> yeah, calling it a flat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mike, a this looks like a Mike Ehrmantraub trap. Oh, trap. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, Angela and Cal get interrupted mid-coitus by the phone. And it's uh, somebody on the other end says, is your father Marcus Abar? And says, there's something you need to see and don't put on that mask. I know who you are. I want to note that the person tells the, her to go to Roland Hill. Roland Hill. Do you know the name Roland? Roland? Yeah. From Watchmen? No, not from Watchmen, from history. Uh, I mean, not really. He's the person who you were mentioning during the Tulsa massacre. He's that person that oh, the person in the elevator. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Unbelievable. So what did he get hanged? I don't know if he got hung. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure, but like, the, I mean, the fact that there's a hanging uh, at this place, there's, there's something called, called Roland Hill. Hill. That's pretty intense. Wow. That's really cool. Okay, I couldn't actually make out what he said. I couldn't actually make out uh, the name of the pill. I just heard something Hill, but that's pretty cool. Oh God. I love this series. <laughs> anyway. Uh, when Angela gets there, it's the guy in the wheelchair from earlier who asked if he, she thought he could lift 200 pounds. Uh, and he's got, he's holding the note that says, watch over this boy. He's holding it under Judd's hanging dead body. And we get this shot panning down to his star shaped badge and a drop of blood falls on it. Uh, just like the opening of Watchmen is kicked off by the death of the comedian. This series is kicked off by the death of Judd. And as as the credits start rolling, we hear, poor Judd is dead. So, from Oklahoma. 
So pretty, uh, pretty cool. All right. That was really cool. That was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about the episode before we start di- diving into the supplementary material? No, no, yeah, I no. Let's get right into. It. Let's get to okay. Let's let's peruse the PDPedia, shall we? Well, we have four options here because, for those of you who don't know, uh, when this series was originally released on HBO, they had uh, this website uh, on the on the website. Um, they posted stuff uh, from the files of Agent Dale Petey. You have not met him yet, so we don't know much about him. Uh, but we have four postings on that website, and this is all meant to like add context, history, or flavor to the episode that you just watched. So uh, we've got Rorschach's journal memo. Uh, this is a memo from Agent Dale Petey about Rorschach's journal. We've got uh, the newspaper article, Vite Declared Dead, that the man in the wheelchair was reading. We've got an article about Trust in the Law, which is the um, movie that was playing in the theater when the Tulsa Massacre started. Uh, And we've got a memo from uh, the director of the FBI called uh, The Computer and You. So there you have it. So where would you like to start, Kurt? Let's go. Uh, let's talk about Rorschach's journal. Okay, so Rorschach's journal. This, this I think, is largely Catch background. This, yeah. is, this is largely designed to get people caught up on what they need to know from the graphic novel uh, into but here. There so some, there are some new things. There are some new things. So uh, new to this world is this anti-vigilante task force group right um that's that's what he uh, is who he is sending this memo to and who he works for so agent dal works for the anti-vigilante task force group uh within i think within the fbi from what i can tell okay uh and chime in if you if i skip over something that you want to talk about there's a lot of talk about this wortham spectrum did you did you so yeah oh yeah yeah. every when they refer to the vigilantes they they kind of um, i'm looking like a rorschach is objectivist sociopathic yes <laughs> uh, they, they, and they don't give lorries right sure. now did you did you yes because uh, so yes he he, he t- refers to agent Lori blake now Lori, we know uh we know her as Lori juice though right oh, edward blake though edward blake <laughs> yes her father the comedian so she has taken his last name here it seems um now what's interesting is this supplementary material this is i mean that's pretty spoilery because that there's no mention of Lori in this episode, but this is kind of a an interesting reveal that Lori Blake now works for the FBI. Lori Juspecek has become Lori Blake. Lori Blake and now works for the FBI in the anti vigilante task force group. So, all right. Um, so, do you know anything about this Wortham guy though? No. I don't know. Okay, so this Wortham spectrum, where he he assigns some adge- some adjectives to uh, the vigilantes, uh, it's based on an actual psychologist named Frederick Wortham. Okay, okay. Uh, Frederick Wortham is famous for, of all things, writing a, a book called Seduction of the Innocent in 1954, 
where he asserted that comic books were morally corrupt uh, and corrupting their impressionable young readers. So this was this is a, a bit an early bit of kind of warnings against comic books by a prominent psychologist. All right, and they kind of clung on to that after this whole vigilante fiasco stuff. I guess, or 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 at least that uh, that psychologist. While maybe he did not talk about comic books per se, maybe he grew up and talked against these vigilantes and right. made this system and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's named that. Okay, what's well, well but Wortham Wortham actually did write this book, speaking out against comic books. No, well, what I'm saying is that like mm-hmm. instead of comic books, maybe in this universe, in, in mm-hmm. the Watchmen universe, he did it about the actual vigilantes that were around. Gotcha. Yes, and then that then that's why they like the system. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, he refers to Ozymandias as a uh, savior and narcissist on the spectrum. Uh, we get some information about uh, the seventh cavalry, uh, which I already told you uh, the seventh cavalry is who they rode out with Custer in the battle of little Bighorn, Bighorn uh, Custer's last stand, but they are white supremacists. They've appropriated uh, the Rorschach mask and they see their own ideology reflected in uh, that ink blot. So, all right. Um, he talks about alpha class masks, which I'm assuming are the, the, uh, well, hmm, he oh, says the, the only, the only alpha class mask to refuse retirement after the Keen Act was Rorschach. So I think alpha class mask is any of these prominent mask vigilantes that we saw in Watchmen. So it'd be like, Ozymandias, Night Owl, Silk Spectre, the Mothman, uh, Rorschach. Well, I'm uh, talking about the later ones, but okay, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Manhattan. Lewis. I still want to know what's going on with him. Right. <laughs> Probably dead now, but uh, <laughs> Doctor Manhattan. He refers to on the spectrum as Overman and passive aggressive. Interesting. Uh, don't know oh, what. You, well, I know what passive aggressive means. I don't know what Overman yeah. means. I think just somebody with a superiority complex, maybe. I mean, he's kind of God. Yeah, I know. Uh, Hooded Justice, his his Wortham score or incalculable. scale is incalculable. Cannot do it. All right, we. I get... thought that was good. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. That's why it's um, cool. I, 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 listen, I will say, I think I latched onto the proper old timey from the Minutemen heroes because Hooded Justice, he keeps he keeps showing up. And you don't think like the comedian it was was uh, someone to latch on to? Who? Yeah, uh, he refers to DIE a lot in this article. DIE is dimensional incursion event. So that's what they call the the arrival of the psychic squid and the death of half of New York City. Do they define that at all? They do at one point in the article. Okay. DIE is dimensional incursion event. What they don't define comes later on it's edbe i don't know what that stands for but i can tell you the context in which it's used half their employees died in a cat the cataclysmic psychic shockwave unleashed by edbe so like the brainwave from the from the die i see i think that the the die the dimensional incursion event is the event that happened Mm -hmm. and the ebd E is the actual squid. Gotcha. I think that's what I'm getting out of this. Makes sense because it's unleashed by. Yeah. All right. Um, 
Night Owls Wortham Spectrum is thrill seeker and nostalgic. Okay, and you already said that Lori Blake's, this is what he says about Lori Blake's Wortham Spectrum. Uh, her uh, later, oh, first of all, she's known as Silk Spectre after her mother says Jupiter and later as the comedian. So you remember at the end oh, of the yeah. graphic novel, she says she wanted to do a different character. And so she went with the comedian after her father, Edward Blake. Now, it says here, out of respect for Agent Blake, who has consistently objected to the science of the Wortham Spectrum tool, I shall refrain from diagnosing her. How sweet. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. All right. Uh, And lots and lots of background here. Um, Some really damning comments from Godfrey, uh, the editor of the, the New Frontiersman paper. I mean, really... Ouchy uh, stuff. I I, I want to highlight that in in the in the reading. Mm-hmm. I think you'll, you'll go past it. Is they they do note that uh, as New York began its glacial return to stability, a few cared about a loose end of the past, like Kovacs. Their only anxiety was the prospect of another EBDE, a threat kept mm-hmm. on top of mind by random downpours of fetal cephalopods. And no yeah. one physics degree has ever been able to explain. So there you that, go. That, that's why I think it's. Adrian White just trying to remind him, like, listen, don't yes. ever forget. <laughs> yes, exactly. I put all those up there. There's like yep. planes that fly across, just dropping them. That's right. That's right. Maybe yeah. Cool trebuchet. That like, uh, that's that's an interesting. That definitely backs up your theory. So, I, I so I, I understand what you're uh, what you're saying. Um, I do want to quote Godfrey once here. This is the editor of the New Frontiersman who says. Uh, the, the 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 Russians the he calls them Ruskies the Ruskies have gained a foothold on our sacred soil burgers and borscht anyone I hope not and our glorious manifest destiny march toward global democracy capitalism and Christian supremacy has been stalled. Call. <laughs> Ouch. Um, yeah, uh, and he really really hates President Redford. Uh, he says you know that our our biggest problem is not some fake alien monster but it's this jab- jackbooted jabberwocky antichrist master masquerading as a bleeding heart cowboy a bad actor on so many levels who seeks to re-educate us into slaves of big brother this liberal president so yeah there you have it um lots of referrals in this there's a couple of referrals here there's uh, actually i think uh PD uses the term mainstream media. Uh, Adrian Veidt uses the term fake news. Yeah. These are very socially relevant things to what we've been experiencing in the last five years or six years or so. Um, there was a, apparently a blue wave where the Democrats kind of took over government in 1992, and it seems as though they've had it, had control of it ever since. Uh, and that that during that time that's when uh dan dryberg and Lori blake were arrested for violating the keen act in 1995 all right uh there's a little bit of talk of nixonville's in here uh, i latched on to something called uh 11 ptsd i'm assuming which, that's when the event happened yes that's when that's when the giant psychic squid arrived so 11 psd ptsd sorry post-traumatic stress disorder um 
we have uh, some information about American Hero Story. They said I hate that series. They say that American Hero Story turned Rorschach, now a conservative liberal libertarian icon, into a withering deconstruction of pathology that implicitly shamed anyone who ever found Rorschach or his kind admirable or noble. And that's that's a quote from Agent Petey. That's not a quote from the uh, New Frontiersman or anything. That's Agent Petey saying that. So. Rorschach was such a cool character. The American <laughs> Hero Story can't be doing this to him. No, you sound a lot like the the son of the cavalry here, Kurt. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I was I was a fan, <laughs> fan of Rorschach in the original thing. I gotta I gotta still back him up. Right. I, I'm not with the seventh cavalry. I'm my own guy. I see. I just, see. Uh, uh, Ro- hashtag Rorschach was right. <laughs> Yeah, no hashtags here because it doesn't seem like there's much technology, actually, which we'll get to a little later on. Uh, It turns out Robert Redford has been president for seven consecutive terms, but he has announced that he will not be running for an eighth. Uh, And the reason for this entire memo. I'll I'll kind of. Yeah. The reason for this entire. I'm not power hungry. (laughs) The reason for this entire memo, this is a six-page document, by the way, so mm-hmm. uh, is that he believes, Agent Peter believes, that it's a giant mistake to declare Adrian Veidt dead eight years after he's vanished. Because as long as both Veidt and Rorschach have vanished, you can probably keep the 7th Cavalry dormant. But as soon as you say that Veidt is dead and Rorschach's vanished, the conspiracy lives on. Yeah, and it looks like he's correct because they were hibernating apparently, or they were gone for three years. Mm-hmm. Seventh Cavalry, but the second mm-hmm. you declare Vite dead, they show right up. So. Exactly, exactly. Um, we also get just an interesting side note here uh, about the Elvis Presley debacle. But, oh yeah, but this is the public has a way of remembering when someone who is supposed to be dead suddenly wanders into a nightclub in Hanoi on VVN night. Now we don't know what VVN night is yet. Uh, was that mentioned in the in the graphic novel? I don't know. I don't uh, know what that is. Yeah. Well, I, well I, I'm. I'm. If it was, I don't remember. But VVN night. Hanoi is in Vietnam, so it may have something to do with that. Okay. Uh, anything else I want to say about the Rorschach journal entries uh, in the PDPedia? No, no. Okay. So that that's canon. That's that's coming directly from the creators of the series, right? So the, we're getting more insights into this universe that weren't explicitly stated in the show. And again, I said, I, I have a quick question. All right. Does Alan Moore consent to all of this? Alan Moore never wanted any adaptations of his material. Hmm. But Alan Moore also was writing for DC Comics. So D- oh well, yeah, so DC Comics. So DC wanted that. adaptations, but I'm just, I'm just curious if like this is like his canon or if like, you know, people like Lindelof and so on and so forth kind of <laughs> have to take it on the torch. That's fine. It's just Yeah. Uh, it, it's a good question. All right, where should we go next? To so the Vite Declared Dead article, Trust in the Law, or the Computer in You? Let's, let's keep with the history of the past. Let's do Vite Declared Dead. Vite Declared Dead. Okay. So, again, a lot of information about uh, just kind of catching us up. So, here's the new stuff. I'm not going to go over all the stuff that we already knew from the, from the graphic novel. 
some something called True Industries, T R I E U, True Industries, the international conglomerate that has managed Mr. Veit's estate since acquiring Veit Enterprises in 2017, issued a statement expressing acceptance of the decision to declare him dead. Okay. So True Industries has purchased uh, and runs Vite Industries now. Um, they mentioned White House Press Secretary Ezra Klein. That's an actual person. You know Ezra Klein? No. Okay. As, yeah, Ezra, Ezra Klein is a, is a pretty liberal, like, podcast radio personality. So, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, that we, we get some information that Adrian Vite was one of the leading – donors to the democratic party that financed the blue wave in 1992 uh Veit would have turned 82 months ago but he would he was declared missing uh in 2012 after true indices purchased Veit's companies so he was salty about it i've i don't know but uh, th- there is some some convenient timing there his companies get purchased and he disappears all right. Uh, they talk. This is where they talk about M-class lithium, because yeah. the, this is uh, lithium synthesized by Doctor Manhattan uh, and at the, the Manhattanologists, this scientist Manhattanologists, about, yes, Doctor Manhattan. I thought that was cool. Yep, exactly. Uh, so they they were believed to be carcinogenic. Um, now Manhattanologists believe so, that there's no merit to those concerns here. <clears throat> Here's something that kind of confuses me when I, when I read this and thought about it, because I don't think the 7th Cavalry is getting those M-class lithium batteries because they think they're carcinogenic mm-hmm. or will harm people for that reason. Because if they believe Rorschach's journal, which seemingly they do, mm-hmm. then they would not believe that Dr. Mahan was carcinogenic. Mm. So, therefore, they would. I, I I would assume then that they would think it's safe then, and I would believe the vice versa is why the the police are scared more. And I mean, there's the one article that talks about technology, and they yeah. they fear that's carcinogenic because mm-hmm. they don't believe uh, Rorschach's journal, so they do think it is carcinogenic. At least mm-hmm. on that side. So that's mm-hmm. so interesting. Okay. All right, interesting. Uh, turns out the Millennium by Vite uh, was a big fail. Oof. People did not want that stuff after the the DIE. Uh, but Vite regained all of its lost value when he began licensing proprietary technology to other fields, most notably pet cloning. Uh, and he called that branch of his company Bubastis. Okay, but after 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 the after the genetically engineered links, uh, we we find out that Adrian Veidt was a noted philanthropist who donated millions to hospitals dedicated to treating post DIE PTSD. So I I love this actually because this is is indicative of the guilt he felt, which he talked about in the graphic novel. You know, he 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 sees every one of those faces of people who died as a result of this. Uh, and, and he he says he he what did he say he um, arrived at this point on the back of dead people or something like that. Yeah, back so, of innocence. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Uh, in 2017, the governor of Vietnam 
caused an international incident by claiming that the Vietnamese Liberation Front had assassinated Adrian Veidt as an act of terror against the United States. And he used the assertion to justify an escalation of actions against VLF militants. So again, VLF is Vietnamese Liberation Front. Uh, the ensuing police uh, actions resulted in hundreds of civilian deaths. So, yeah, there I you got a condemnation <laughs> from China and the United Kingdom. That's true. Which I thought was interesting that those are the two countries they name. Those are the two countries that support the Free Vietnam Movement. So, in the United Kingdom and, and our universe is a pretty strong ally of the United States. So, to hear them speaking out against the United States and for uh, a free Vietnam movement is, is interesting for sure. I would love to see the map of this uh, universe. And I know I, I really because what was really good about the um, the Watchmen comics was the the global politics situation. I mean, obviously it's mm -hmm. the red or um, the Cold War. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see what the geopolitical situation is. And I mean, we know, but that I guess Vietnam's been annexed by the U.S. It's a state. What's yeah. going on here, right? So UK. China, they agree with on the free Vietnam movement. Okay, we'll, we'll see. Yep. So. Yeah. All right. And, and we've, we wrap up with Mr. Fight never married nor did he have children. He is survived by no one. Okay. So there you have it. Where should we go next? Trust in the law or the computer and you? This what is not hard. Do... 50, 50 chance. I was trying to... Uh, let's do... Uh, trust in the law. All right, trust in the law. So this is an article by the Greenwood Center for Cultural Heritage about trust in the law, the movie that was playing in the opening scene there. Now, there's a lot of reality mixed in with fiction in this article. Uh, Oscar Michoud, who's who's the the creator, the maker of this movie, Trust in the Law, was an actual filmmaker, but oh. Trust in the Law was not an actual film. <laughs> So, of course. yeah, uh, Oscar Michaud is, is considered one of the earliest examples of black filmmakers in the country, actually. So um, we get uh, there's a reference to American Hero Story in here, which is, of course, referenced in the episode many times. Uh, Greenwood is Black Wall Street featured in the opening scene. Uh, Bass Reeves is the main character in Trust in the Law. So he was the, the horse rider uh, who tracked down the the corrupt sheriff and brought him to justice. Bass Reeves was an actual person. Really? Yes. Bass Reeves was an actual person. So everything they say about Bass Reeves in this article is historically accurate. He was you know, the, the, the black marshal of Oklahoma. Uh, I think it's yeah, right? 3000 people. Yeah. Like this is all, this is all wow. real. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is, it's pretty cool. Um, and he ended up like, he used a variety of disguises and personas in the execution of his work from posing as a tramp to wearing hoods and masks as a means of protection and intimidation. So you can see him almost as a masked adventurer precursor, right? He was a vigilante before vigilantes were called. Exactly right. Exactly right. And it's depicted in this movie, right? He's, he's wearing this black hood and the, chasing down the guy. Nobody knows who he is until he reveals himself at the end. So it's pretty neat. Um, the article says how strange that a century later, a land pol once policed by a, by man who inspired the masked Avengers of fiction should now be patrolled by police officers dressed like them. So interesting. All right. Um, 
Michaud, uh, the creator of the, the maker of this film, uh, quested to create entertainments that offered bracing and aspirational stories for black audiences with characters that were more admirable and human than the degrading caricatures and stereotypes found in amusements that were, that catered to white audiences. One of which they talk about later. Uh, it's called Birth of a Nation. Now that's an yeah. actual movie as well. Are you yeah, I do know Birth? Birth of a Nation. Okay, so Birth of a Nation is is a, a, a notorious movie. I used it right there, didn't I? Okay, so um, it, it's a uh, that is known for glorifying the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's so the Ku Klux Klan is the, are the heroes of the movie and they they uh, kind of bring about the demise of a, a black character who's played by a white actor in blackface, by the way, uh, which is pretty I've actually always wanted to see Birth of a Nation. Yeah. It's not a movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious as to the, you know, yeah, yeah. what it's about. Yeah. It's a very historical movie. Wow. Yeah. But no, it yeah. is terrible. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It, led, it led to um, the third rise or the second rise. The Ku Klux Klan in history has had like waves mm-hmm. of it coming back and going away, coming back, going away. Like it was high during the Civil War, kind of died back down after um, uh, the North one and stuff. But uh, the movie came out, I think, like before World War One, like mm-hmm. nineteen. Yeah, 10, it was nineteen eleven, I think, or twelve. It came out in that time, and. Yeah, it caused like another resurgence of a uh, the Ku Klux Klan, and then yeah. like, the next resurgence wouldn't have been until like the civil rights movement. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so uh, the, there's just a, a little bit at the end of this article that I really like. I'm just going to read it. So the title might the title uh, "Trust in the Law" might have struck some as an ironic joke. How could they trust in the law when it was consistently, I'm sorry, continually used to deny them the most fundamental of human rights? For them, the black marshal of the silver screen wasn't representative of the law. He was the redemption of it. So a lot about uh, race relations, police relations, uh, where they intersect. Uh, I think we can expect to see that be a prevalent theme throughout this series. This is very okay. interesting. Yes. Yeah. I really like this article. That was pretty cool. All right. Uh, and finally, The Computer and You. This is a memo from director James Doyen, who's the FBI director, uh, to the Anti-Vigilante Task Force, telling them that, oh, by the way, this guy, this, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second, but telling them they got to start using these new computers. There's no more <laughs> binders on their desks. They've been replaced with these computers. <laughs> Um, this, is, this is like i don't know this is like a real life thing here mm-hmm. oh, no, yeah use this, use this new technology now like, yep. i don't want to use it but you got to use it now thumbs yep. the brakes so then <laughs> yeah but hey you know what if you have any problems or need any assistance just contact agent dale Petey, <laughs> who will be serving as your information technology administrator see your new favorite character who you haven't even met yet yeah yeah <laughs> is, that, is that the assumption do you like all teacher characters <laughs> oh touche very good Kurt. all right so um uh, this, is, this is i'm more I, i'm more cooled out by the l mail the l mail right <laughs> yeah so please use the electronic mail l mail so th- this is in this universe there's not even email it's the, this this l mail thing is a new technology in 2019 
Yeah. So the, the, technology, which I guess yeah. makes sense. Yeah. The, so it's funny. They were ahead of technology. It was battery powered mm-hmm. stuff. But now mm-hmm. they're back in technology because they, I mean, we'll see here forcefully kind of brought themselves back after the whole die incident. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, they're, they're trying to go paperless here because it seems like technological development has been stalled in this universe. Uh, and I, I thought of Angela's pager here because like, there aren't oh, cell yeah. phones. Is Angela Page? Angela has a pager. Um, there's so much mistrust of technology. Uh, probably the the uh, there are two reasons as I can glean from this article. Uh, people are worried that they'll get cancer because they're exposed to devices. Uh, because people uh, with M class, especially police. Especially police. That's right. Which is why they uh, probably never put this out to them. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then the other thing is that they're worried about damaging the hypothetical dimensional membrane by using it because what the, one of the things that the DIE is attributed to is the uh, the use of technology, the more prevalent use of technology. So, also, did you see who the Surgeon General is? Yeah, Oz. Is that Surgeon, is that, Surgeon General Oz? Is that Doctor Oz? Doctor Doc, Oz, Mehmet Oz, who just ran for senator. Yeah, is that really supposed to be him? Yeah, yeah. Doctor Oz. It's a little close to home. I mean, he's a, it's one of the more famous medical doctors in the country. So <laughs> there you have it. Anyway, so there you have it. So th- that that's all I got for, on the PDPedia. Do you have anything you want to add on any of those articles? Mm. See something else for this one? No, no, I don't. Uh, yes. I, I, I did. Uh, I did enjoy these PD articles. My favorite one was probably um, the computer and you, and then Rorschach's journal. Those two, yeah. two around. Yeah, I, uh, I, what would you say your uh, your favorite I, one? Uh, the the Bass Reeves one because that was it was like I I had to look up a whole bunch of stuff to see is this real is this real and and a lot of it was like the, the most of it I, was I'm scared of looking things up yeah don't, don't wanna... do that don't look stuff up I'll I'll do it for you if you need to because <laughs> I'm scared I'm scared of looking it up I'll look up Bass Reeves and be like Bass Reeves the uh, the last standing vigilante in the <laughs> yeah. Watchmen TV show yeah right exactly he comes back from the dead and then kills everyone else <laughs> and then he's the last vigilante yeah I'll I'll do that stuff for you but don't I... trust the law trust Bass Reeves. <laughs> but i love that it was so cool reading that and and just realizing that it was like almost all true it's unbelievable anyway okay kurt we're coming up on the end here but we we probably ought to check in on the time before we we really should check the time whoa it's tv time tv time ain't no time like a tv time couldn't have said it better myself, Kurt. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, well, for those of you who are unfamiliar with TV Time, because this is our first Watchmen podcast, TV Time is an app that tracks your TV viewing. I can't believe we're not getting paid for by TV Time for for all the advertising that we do. We do it for free already. I know. I know. So anyway, we got to stop doing it. We gotta yeah. Because <laughs> they're they're paying attention, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they uh, it's an app that tracks your TV viewing. So you can tell it, for example, what shows uh, you have watched in the past, what shows you want to watch in the future. Uh, it keeps track of uh, what episodes you watch. So you know, I check, put a check mark. Okay, I've watched episode one of Watchmen, and it'll tell me your next in your queue should be Watchmen episode two. So if you go back, uh, if, if you go through like episodes one through four, 
And then you go want to go back and rewatch episode one. TV time won't be fooled. They'll tell you, don't forget, you're on episode five, not episode two, like HBO is telling you you're on. All right. Uh, so there's there's that feature of it. Uh, there's a really nice feature where it tells you what is upcoming that you might be that, that uh, you are in the process of watching. Uh, and it might, and if you tell it what you want to watch in the future, it will tell you when those things air. So, for example, the next series that we'll be covering is the HBO series The Last of Us. So, at the time of this recording, which is not the time when you're listening to it, there are 46 days until The Last of Us airs. And I know that because TV Time's telling me that. But what's really cool about TV Time and what we like to discuss with TV Time is uh, some of the voting that you can do uh, within each episode. So once you tell it that you've watched the episode, it gives you the option to rate the episode on a scale from one star to five stars. So, Kurt, what do you think the audience rated this episode? Five stars. Okay. Five five stars. 64% said five stars. You're correct. Yeah, I think almost all of these are going to be five stars. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, now, the emotion that you can vote on what emotions this made you feel. You can vote mm. for shocked, frustrated, sad, reflective, touched, amused, scared, bored, understood, thrilled, confused, intense. But we, we don't really understood. delve into that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but where we really like to spend our time is on the favorite characters because you can vote for your favorite character. So. I have voted for my favorite character of the episode. Kurt, I hope that you have... You, Kurt does not use TV time so that we can do this bit. Uh, but I, I'm going to take a guess at your favorite character in just a minute. Uh, but we can also see what the TV time community at large uh, has voted for. And we can see who has the highest percentage of the TV time vote. So uh, Kurt's going to take a guess at that in just a few minutes. Not, not just a few, a few seconds. Sorry. So, <laughs> what are we doing in between yeah, and now? <laughs> yeah. All right. I am going to guess that you in this episode said that your favorite character was. I think you. I think you said Judd. I'm an honorable man like that, Mister Sound. I, well, honorable. So we should explain what that means. Uh, Kurt believes in the concept of the in memoriam vote. Right. So when a, when a major, a major character dies in an episode, that person gets the in memoriam vote. Of course. Uh, and you, you famously uh, disrespect the in memoriam <laughs> vote. So I think, I think you said Angela and okay. I think the uh, people said, uh, I think the people said Angela as well, actually. People did say Angela, 87%, huge percentage disrespecting that in memoriam vote that I did give. To Judd. Oh, you really respected it, I'm shocked. <laughs> I did. Okay. I did. Did you respect it? No. No? <laughs> no. Did you pick Angela? <laughs> I did pick Angela. <laughs> okay. Right. Good for you. That's fine. <laughs> well, Listen, I guess uh, my, my argument one. Exactly. My argument <laughs> is that is he really a major character if he's only in episode one? <laughs> right. I'd argue not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fair argument. Um, uh, as I said before, though, I, I feel like this he might be the main character of this episode. He's, I, he, he's like bait. It, it, well, he's like um, a season one Game of Thrones character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Episode one character. Don Johnson is just so damn charming. Like, I just get, I get sucked into everything he says. It's really 
it's, it's amazing. But so, yeah, I, I, I figured I'm not going to have another opportunity to vote for Judd. So I'm going to vote for him now. <laughs> There you have it. There you have it. All right. Well, folks, uh, the titles of these episodes are, are quite long and cumbersome <laughs> because the next title of episode two is Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. <laughs> so, what? I'll say it again. Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. All right. All right. So, <laughs> folks, we'd love to hear from you uh, about Watchmen, about our coverage of it. It's showhopperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd really appreciate five-star ratings and reviews. We'd very much appreciate you sharing the podcast around. Tell people, you know, watch Watchmen and then listen to our coverage. Uh, please do like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff, because we'd love to just be right in your feed, ready to go when we drop another episode. Uh, on a programming note, I should tell you, because we are going to have a little bit of a shift in when we drop Watchmen. The preview last week was on Thursday. This episode dropped on Thursday. Next week's will drop on Thursday. But after that, we got we to gotta bump Watchmen to Monday because we'll be covering The Last of Us on Thursdays. So starting with episode three, Watchmen coverage will be dropping on Mondays. All right. And anything you'd like to say in... Uh, conclusion here kurt hmm. i can't wait to see dr manhattan return next episode well maybe we never know bold prediction. bold prediction okay bold prediction dr manhattan's back in the next episode all right kurt time to go because i gotta go to the bakery it's not open yet but okay <laughs> a couple of months shoe hammer some show hoppers into your day